if we haven't met, my name is Adam Casel. I'm the vision and administration pastor here on staff. Hypothetically, if President Biden were to visit this week, on our end, there would be a lot of work to be done. The, the governor and the mayor, they would completely clear their schedules. If, they, if anybody had vacations planned, those are canceled. Anybody who works for the city, like my friend David, uh, or the state, like John, they're working overtime, getting everything ready for the president to come. It, regardless of, of politics, there's respect for the office, and so we do a lot of preparation because we're welcoming the president, the, the most powerful person in the country. Now, how President Biden were to arrive would, would communicate a lot to us. If he came in with the full military deployment, tanks, um, lots of troops, helicopters, and he said, hey, I come in peace, we probably wouldn't believe him. Or we'd wonder, what, do you, what type of peace do you mean? If he came, though, with the, the least number of secret service agents that he was allowed, and he said, I come in peace, we would believe it. The reason is because as uh, communication theorist Marshall McLuhan would say, the medium is the message. How a person communicates and approaches other people says actually a lot about that person. That's true for leaders, whether in business or government or religious leaders. It was true for Jesus. The way Jesus talked to and interacted with people told us a lot about who he is. Jesus wasn't impressed with or influenced by social status. The way Jesus navigated through life tells us a lot about who he is. And we're going to see an example of that this morning. If you have a Bible with you, I invite you to turn to Matthew 21. We have Bibles up front if you, if you need a Bible. But uh, before we look at this passage, today is the last Sunday of Lent. It's known as Palm Sunday. We, we celebrated that with the, the kids up front, with the palm branches. It marks the beginning of what we, we often refer to as Holy Week. That was a term came up, that was um, come up with by Egyptian um, theologian Athanasius of Alexandria in the fourth century. This week is also known as Passion Week from the Latin word passio, meaning suffering. That's why the, the Mel Gibson movie, The Passion of the Christ, looked at the suffering of Jesus in his, his final hours. Palm Sunday marks the beginning of the most important week in the Gospels, and I think in the Bible. The most important week that the Gospels or the Bible covers begins here. reason I say that is Jesus did roughly three years of ministry, and this week, this last week of his life, gets a disproportionate amount of focus from each of the gospel writers. Now, the, the chapters, chapter and verse divisions are not divinely inspired. That, that developed later on. But if we go just by the, the number of chapters, Matthew devotes 30% of his gospel account to this last week of Jesus' life. Mark and John devote nearly 50%. 
And Luke, a little over 20% of his gospel account to this last week of Jesus' life. This is an important week. Some scholars call the gospels passion narratives or suffering narratives with extended introductions. This lets us know this is a very important in knowing who Jesus is and what he did on our behalf. If we're sort of keeping pace with the Gospels, life slows down significantly for this week. Today marks the beginning of the eight days of Easter. As I said, today is Palm Sunday. Monday through, through Wednesday don't have special names, but there's certain teachings connected to these days. Thursday is known as Maundy Thursday. Maundy means command. It's when Jesus celebrated the Last Supper with his disciples and gave them the command. He said, a new command I give to you, love one another as I have loved you. Friday is known as Good Friday when when Jesus was crucified on the cross. Saturday is known as Holy Saturday because Jesus' body is resting in the tomb. And then it all culminates with resurrection or Easter Sunday, with Jesus rising from the dead, defeating sin, Satan, and death. So this morning, as I said, we're going to look at Matthew 21. And what I want us to remember this morning is that the victorious king chose the way of peace. Jesus, he's going to enter with symbols of peace. We'll see that messianic salvation comes through peace. And that the peace of Jesus is multifaceted. The way Jesus arrived in Jerusalem before the last week of his life on earth showed he is the prince of peace because he chose the way of peace. Join me in Matthew 21. We're going to look at verses 1 through 11. Matthew writes, When they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, Jesus then sent two disciples, telling them, Go into the village ahead of you. At once you will find a donkey tied there with with her colt. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say the Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This took place so that what was spoken through the prophet might be fulfilled. Tell daughter Zion, see, your king is coming to you, gentle and mounted on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did just as Jesus directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt, then they laid their clothes on them, and he sat on them. A very large crowd spread their clothes on the road. Others were cutting branches from the trees and spreading them on the road. Then the crowds went ahead of him, and those who followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest heaven! When he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in an uproar, saying, Who is this? The crowds were saying, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. Let's pray. Jesus, we praise you for being the triumphant king. 
the victorious one who chose the way of peace. And Lord, you know each one of us here. You know what we need. And so may my words uh, be the means through which you speak to others. And Holy Spirit, communicate um, outside of what I say as well. In Jesus' name, amen. So as I've said, the victorious king chose the way of peace, and Jesus enters Jerusalem with symbols of peace. We see that in verses 1 through 8. As I said at the beginning, the medium is the message. What accompanies Jesus' entry into Jerusalem are signs of peace. Now before I look at those symbols, I want to mention a couple of items. The route is important. Matthew says Jesus was on the Mount of Olives. That's a, 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 a prophetic fulfillment as far as Matthew saw it. And this, this is one of those times Matthew, throughout his gospel, wants people to know Jesus is fulfilling all these prophecies about the Messiah. The things that the prophets foresaw hundreds of years ago, Jesus fulfilled through his life and ministry. And here, Matthew has in mind Zechariah 14, 4. says, On that day his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, which faces Jerusalem on the east. The Mount of Olives will be split in half from east to west, forming a huge valley, so that half the mountain will move to the north and half to the south. So Jesus is actually he's entering the city the way that Zechariah foresaw. He, Matthew wants so desperately for his readers to know Jesus is the long-awaited Messiah. The things that happened to him, they were no accident. This was intended from the very beginning. When Jesus enters Jerusalem, it's close to Passover, which is this Wednesday at sundown, by the way. Passover, if you don't know, is, is the, high, the high holiday for the Jewish faith, celebrating God's deliverance from, Egypt in, uh, from slavery in Egypt. So because of this, you would have had many people from all over Israel and even those living in other countries making pilgrimage to Jerusalem to celebrate this holiday. There's, there was always a lot of anticipation during this time. I'll come back to that later. So there were a couple of symbols here accompanying Jesus. The first is the donkey. Jesus sends two of his disciples ahead to pick up the donkey. It's not because he was afraid they were going to mess up. We can make jokes about other men. They're probably going to mess it up. No, they did it for safety. This road was an incredibly dangerous road that many people were hesitant to travel on, but that's the, the path that Jesus chose. So he sends two, two disciples ahead to, to get this donkey. He gives them instructions. He said, when you, when you show up, there's going to be a donkey and her, her colt tied together. Untie them and bring them back. And he gives them these instructions. If anybody says anything to you, just say, oh, the Lord needs them. And they'll send them with you. Like, they'll be okay with it. Lord here doesn't have necessarily divine connotations. That word can be used for any authority figure, the teacher, the master, the boss. He needs it. 
I wonder if the disciples ever stop being surprised, right? It's like, oh, how's your day going? Oh, typical Thursday. Jesus raised somebody from the dead, regrew some limbs. There was a blind man who couldn't see, can see now. No big deal. Here they are, they're tied up. That means they belong to somebody. Imagine getting in somebody's car and just driving away. My sister did that. It's a story for another time, though. <laughs> Creating a lot of anticipation for that story. Will Adam ever tell that story? The donkey and the colt are just as Jesus said, so they knew these were the ones. Again, Matthew says this is fulfilling prophecy, namely Zechariah 9.9. A commentary I read said, Jesus comes as the righteous one who offers salvation, not as a conquering military leader, and with reconciliation, as did rulers who sometimes rode a donkey in times of peace. Jesus' mode of transportation is letting people know, I'm coming in peace, because the medium is the message. He's the victorious king who comes in peace. This is a time of peace, even though Jesus knows what's coming in five days from when he's riding in. He knows it's a time of peace because he is the prince of peace. It's all he knows. If you read Zechariah 9, it's about Yahweh vanquishing Israel's enemies, their, their natural enemies. And that's exactly what Jesus did, but not in the way the people anticipated. Jesus was about to address their spiritual enemies. Another way to defeat an enemy is to make him or her your brother or sister. And that's what Jesus was, was going to do by the cross, bring Jews and Gentiles together into one family. So again, the first symbol is Jesus as the king riding in on a donkey declaring peace. The second symbol is kind of two in one. It's the palm branches and the clothes that were spread out before Jesus. In verse 8, again, it says a very large crowd spread their clothes on the road, also on the donkey for Jesus to sit on. Others were cutting branches from trees and spreading them on the road. The same commentary that I referenced earlier also says, throwing garments in the path of a king to walk on was a symbol of submission. Palms symbolized Jewish nationalism and victory, such as when Judas Maccabeus and his followers recovered Jerusalem and the temple was desecrated by Antiochus. That's what Hanukkah celebrates that time. Palms are seen on many coins of that time, expressive of nationalism generally, both Jewish and Roman. So for the people to do what they're doing, laying palm branches and clothes, is actually a political act. It's not a, a religious act. This is not a part of Israel's worship of God. They're, they're saying Jesus is the king and we are aligning ourselves with him. We give our allegiance to this king. And they're celebrating his arrival. 
as I mentioned at the beginning, how a president, national leader, business leader, whoever, arrives, says a lot about that person and how they view themselves. Jesus arrives in the capital city in a prophetic act of peace. I'll come back to that. Everything about his entry says he comes in peace. Nothing about this moment says that he's about to stir up a a violent uprising. Where's the threat to Rome at this point? Yet, the religious and the political leaders, they were threatened by Jesus. During this last week of Jesus' life, he does plenty of teaching to show that he knows who he is and what he's about to do. Friends, as a reminder, the events of Good Friday were no accident. This is not a king who was ambushed or caught unaware. He was completely in charge the whole time, like a master conductor. He chose the way of peace. The victorious king chose the way of peace. And the next way we see that is messianic salvation comes through peace in verse 9. As I mentioned, this was leading up to Passover. So there were large crowds of people in and around Jerusalem. The city is buzzing with anticipation. The the crowds are gathered around. They're celebrating Jesus' entry into Jerusalem. This This moment is referred to as the triumphal entry because it is victorious. Jesus comes, again, as the victorious one. This is like the 1985 Chicago Bears recording the Super Bowl shuffle before the Super Bowl. I'm dating myself, and a lot of you have no idea what I'm talking about. Okay, imagine, to make it a little more current, imagine if the week before this year's Super Bowl, the Chiefs held their victory parade beforehand. That's what Jesus is doing. And the people are cheering, Hosanna! To the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. This is a celebration. The people are quoting Psalm 118, verses 25 and 26. There's six Psalms, 113 to 118. Those group of Psalms are known as the Hallel. They were sung during the Passover. It was a time of anticipating the Messiah almost every year. Could this be it? Could the Messiah be coming today, this year? Do you think he's going to be here? The word Hosanna means help, save, deliver, come to our aid, bring victory. It's not necessarily worship. In the sense, like hallelujah, it's not interchangeable with Hosanna. It's, a, it's crying out, God, save us. Now, the word doesn't mean God take us out of our situation, but actually come be present in our midst with us. Come make things right. Because we, we see brokenness all around us. Hosanna, make it right. I don't know about you, but I often think help, deliverance, 
salvation, God coming to my aid or bringing victory means taking me out of a situation. Again, the cry here, the desires, God, come be with me in this situation, in my midst. Fix what's broken. The people had no idea what they were saying. This word, Hosanna, is from the same verb as Jesus' name. They're asking for salvation from Yahweh saves. That's what Jesus' name means. And they, they don't make the connection. I mean, they do, but they miss what's about to happen. So Jesus is the Messiah they were anticipating, but not in the way that they were anticipating him. Have you ever had that? Have you ever asked for something that you had no idea what you were asking for? Have you ever asked for patience? Have you ever asked for more grace? Again, this isn't about bringing us out of a situation, but to come and to make a situation right, or to at least bring comfort in the midst of it. Again, This is a political cry, imploring Jesus, save our nation, deliver us from our enemy, kick Rome out of here, get them out. They didn't realize what the true enemy was. So again, this isn't worship in the sense of seeing Jesus as God in the flesh, but maybe, just maybe, he could be the Messiah. And the reason they might have an inkling that that's the case is because to call Jesus the son of David is a messianic acknowledgement. Now, Jesus is obviously not a direct son in the sense of David was his immediate father, but he was in David's lineage. And sonship in the Bible is about being the epitome of that person. What they probably didn't know then, we can look back and see Jesus is the perfect David. Jesus defeated the ultimate Goliath on our behalf. Jesus is the king perfect where David failed. Friends, Messiah does not necessarily mean divine from from the Jewish perspective. Messiah is about the anointed, chosen one who's going to free Israel from her enemies. They're looking at this just in the natural, the physical. Like I said, Rome... They're used to having other nations come in and occupy or take them into into slavery. But Jesus is coming to deal with the spiritual and supernatural enemies that were far worse for Israel. They're essentially saying, Jesus, we think you're the Messiah. Do what we know you'll do. Vanquish our enemies. Establish Israel as the greatest nation in the world. Set your kingdom up here and now. Again, they didn't know what they were saying. It's one thing to say that Jesus is king. Again, because that's, that's what they're acknowledging by calling him the son of David. They're saying, you're the rightful king, not Herod. It's another to look at what type of king is he. Often in the midst of challenges and difficulties, we may 
remind and comfort one another by saying, God is, is sovereign. Well, sovereign just means king. It's a role. It's not necessarily a character attribute. It's like calling somebody a teacher, a doctor, a business person. Right? That tells us about their role, not necessarily who they are as a person. So what kind of king is Jesus? He's a victorious king who comes bringing peace. Because again, the medium is the message. The peace that Jesus brings is not from an iron fist, but from the wooden cross. He's the type of king who does what's best for his, his people, not for himself or to curry favor. Again, he's the Messiah who brings salvation and the real peace that lasts forever. The last part of the victorious king who chose the way of peace is that the peace of Jesus is multifaceted. We see that in verses 10 and 11. Again, Matthew says, when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in an uproar saying, who is this? The crowds were saying, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. They're right. Jesus is a prophet, but so much more. Jesus' life, death, and resurrection were a prophetic act. What I mean by that is throughout salvation history, throughout the Bible, God would sometimes ask his prophets to do things, really weird things, like go marry a prostitute, walk around the city naked, no thank you, lay on your side for over a year, okay, and then switch sides. I could sign up for that. This prophetic act of Jesus going to the cross was showing that God is among his people, defeating the true powers of evil, sin, Satan, and death. So Jesus is a prophet, but so much more. Because he's a king as well, which we just looked at. He also has the role of priest. As he offers himself as a sacrifice a few days from this moment. Now, we don't get to choose which role Jesus is. He's always all three of them, all the time, perfectly. But is there a way that you need to experience Jesus in this time? Do you need to experience Jesus as the prophet, the one carrying the very words of God, demonstrating his love for us? Or is the king seated on the throne, perfectly in charge, Nothing is going to, to hinder or influence his position as king. It doesn't matter what's going on with our families or the economy. He's still the king. Or do we need to experience Jesus as priest, understanding what he did for us? The fact that he's still interceding for us right now, is there something you need him to intercede for you at this moment. 
Now, the irony, another part of the irony of, of the people declaring, oh, he's the prophet. There's never this much fanfare for a prophet. This is not how prophets are received. It's kind of like, eh, why don't you hang out in the corner? The rest of us will talk. So what does this look like for us here and now? I think one way, uh, somebody had sent me a video uh, where a person was talking about the Moravians. If you're not familiar with the Moravians, they were a group of people um, in Europe who set up a 100-year, 24-7 prayer room. For a 100 years, it went on prayer 24-7. And at the end of it, God moved so powerfully, there was this massive mission movement out of there. They, they sent out missionaries all over the world, and the common cry of, of their hearts was, may the lamb who was slain receive the reward for his suffering. They would leave knowing they, they probably wouldn't see family again, that they wouldn't, may not be home again, but their, their whole desire was, may the lamb who was slain receive the reward for his suffering. As citizens of the kingdom of God, we get to be like our king. Because the prince of peace leads a people of peace. It doesn't mean necessarily you have to be a pacifist, but do our words and actions lead others to being reconciled with the king so that they can live a life of flourishing? So that the lamb can re receive the reward for his suffering? Remember, all of history is moving to an end. It's summed up in Revelation eleven fifteen, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. He will reign forever and ever. That's the reward of the Lamb. So for us to ask ourselves, what am I called to do so that the lamb receives the reward for his suffering. He is the king who's going to inherit it all, and we get to point people to him. The other question for us this morning, who or what in our lives need Hosanna? Where do we need God to deliver, to help, to bring victory so who or what is my heart burdened for? Because the Father's heart's burdened as well. When we, when we join with that, we're not begging him to do something he doesn't want to do. If we have a, a desire for it, it's, it's what he wants to do as well. We have just a fraction of what he's burdened for. And so we get to start with Hosanna. Lord, Hosanna in this place, help, deliver, Bring victory here in my life or in this person's life. We start there and then we say, God, what do you want me to do? So again, we get to join with seeing the lamb receive the reward for his suffering. And we get to cry out Hosanna. And he's happy to answer us. He loves when his kids cry out. Hosanna.
So to conclude, we looked at this morning that the victorious king chose the way of peace. Jesus entered Jerusalem with symbols of peace. He brings his messianic salvation that comes through peace. And this peace of Jesus is multifaceted. He's the true prophet, the true king, the true priest, bringing peace in our lives. And again, the medium is the message. And Jesus showed his way of peace by how he lived and how he entered the city knowing he was going to die in less than a week. And his sacrifice means that he'll inherit the world. And we long for that day. And we don't just have to wait for that day to experience Hosanna, but we can cry out for it here and now and see him move on our behalf. If you will uh, stand with me. Michelle, come forward. If uh, anybody who's on the ministry team is here can come forward, be available uh, to pray. So we conclude our time together every week with this ministry time as an opportunity to respond. If God is stirring something in your heart this morning, take the, the step of faith by coming forward and asking one of these teams to pray with you and to pray for you. We're happy to pray for any need that you have anything um, that's front of mind for you that feels most important and most urgent. So if you have a physical need, an emotional need, a spiritual need, we want to pray for that. But also an opportunity to respond this morning to answering the question or at least and starting with the question, what needs Hosanna? in my life. And the first thing that comes to mind is a great place to start. Don't judge it, just go with it. What needs peace? Jesus, as the Prince of Peace, brings peace with him wherever he goes. And so where's an area in your life where you need that peace this morning? And not just this morning, but to go with you throughout the week and in days and weeks to come. Are you in a place this morning where you need to encounter Jesus more as a king, a prophet, or a priest in this season? If so, our, our team would love to pray for you. So let's just take a moment. Jesus, we ask for you to fill this room with your peace. As Paul tells us, it's the peace that goes beyond our comprehension. And it guards our hearts and our minds. And Lord, I know that there are people this morning who need that. 
um, who are experiencing anxiety in this moment. Jesus, bring your peace. For any who are struggling with uh, depression, Jesus, bring your peace. for me, but I'll, I'll share it. While we were worshiping, I just had this picture of a massive crown just in the middle of the room. So Jesus, you are here as king. So for any of us who an area of our life feels disordered, There's the invitation to bring that into Jesus' kingdom this morning. So we can stay in this moment, but if you want to come forward to receive prayer, our teams would love to pray for you. Again, we've got some time, so let's hang out in this. Michelle will be playing, and our our teams will be available to pray for you. If we have any other prayer team members, if you could come forward. We have some people waiting for prayer. kids in the children's ministry, um, you can go back and, and pick them up. If you need to go, may you go in the peace of Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Prince of peace, knowing he goes before you, he is behind you, he is around you and within you. May you experience his peace this week. Have a great week.